is the second part about becoming familiar with linear regression. Welcome to the next episode of the Effective Data Scientist. Again, it's Paolo and myself. Hi, Paolo. How are you doing today? Very well, Alexander. Thanks. Very well. Yeah. If you enjoyed the last episode of this podcast, you know that we are talking about linear regression today. And linear regression is a really, really important topic. If you want to get to the introduction of it, just scroll a little bit back on your podcast player and go to the episode before that, before this episode, and get a little bit of an overview. In this episode, we will build on what we discussed last week. So last week, we talked about, you know, this example of parents and kids and their height. And, but of course, that could be any other parameters, kind of, for example, sales versus investment, or it could be number of email subscribers divided by number of posts on social media or something like this. Yeah. All kind of different variables, uh, continuous variables that, that we uh, look into. And so we talked a little bit about, you know, what can go wrong last time, but today we want to go a little bit further into this from a goodness of fit statistics. So if you have a linear model, yeah, and just, you know, take it for, for example, to exercise again with the height of the parents and, and the kids, um, how can you then, you know, determine whether you have a good fit of, of your model? I'm thinking about hard square. Yeah. Which in general, is a measure of fit of our model. Heat can be zero with no fit at all. So okay. like our data points are just a cloud in our scatter plot. And we have our regression line, which is line running at the intercept level just describing the mean of the data points. Yeah. It's really, so, really bad. Yeah. So basically you have no slope whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. So which means, you know, it doesn't care whether you take your covariates into account. They have actually no influence whatsoever on, on yeah. the variable of interest. There is no relationship to describe and report. Yeah. And yeah. then R square can increase up to one, which is the maximum. And if you have this fit, all your data points are on the uh, regression line. So there is a perfect regression describing what you have in your data set. So your residuals are zero. Everything is perfectly described. So it's something that never happens. In real life, usually then you actually have intrinsic correlations and they are kind of like, I don't know, sales in dollars versus sales in euros or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so something completely obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe I found something uh, like that in biochemistry. 
if you sometime you have this experiment so maybe you have some concentration i don't know and you measure some quantity then you have some dilution and then you measure once again this quantity and sometimes you expect that uh, there is some perfect correlation between the concentration and the protein or stuff like that but yeah. and maybe your example about economics is very good because mainly your r squared depends on the model but maybe also on the fields on your yeah. research fields on your yeah. Research yeah. question because when I was at the university studying economics, of course, if you study correlations between um, you know economic quantities like uh, you know uh, employment versus economic growth, then yeah. of course you have a strong relationship, and maybe your R square is something like zero point seven, zero point eight. Yeah. Or 0.9 sometimes. Yeah. Also, if you look into physics and you do physical experiments, yeah, very often you have yeah. very, very high R squares. But if you, for example, look into psychology, yeah, and then you very often have very, very small R squares. Yeah. So, and, and you know, that's very often the best you can do. Yeah. So if you look into, let's say, how EQ or, you know, IQ, yeah, how that determines in income. Yeah. Of course, there's lots of other factors influencing income. And so, you know, there may be only a very, very small R square, but even that is then of interest. Yeah. So it always depends on in which field you are. And so don't rely on these rules of thumb that, you know, that R square is small, that R square is big, and this, this R square is medium. I think that really, really depends on, on where you are looking. And also kind of what the business environment is. Yeah? So, so, for example, is it big enough to, to invest something here? Yeah. Uh, is it big enough that that it uh, that it really drives some decisions, or is it you know in a scale that well actually it gets lost in the roundings here and we shouldn't care about? Yeah, so here understanding the, the business environment is really important to assess this goodness of it. So don't only think about you know statistical outcomes here, but take into account why, you know, what can happen here and, and uh, see the bigger picture. Yeah, maybe R-square could be useful if you run different models yeah. for answering the same question. Then you can see how your fit increases depending on your increasing, uh, I don't know, num number of type of, of regressors or maybe just because you are doing something right with the transformation of your regression, stuff like that, then um, comparing your models within the same data science yeah. exercise could be useful, maybe. Yeah. So there's actually 
that was one of my first exercises I, I did in my first kind of hands-on statistics uh, course. I had this, you know, linear relationship that we looked into. And then, you know, we, we were thinking, okay, we could have just this line, but maybe it's not a line. Maybe, maybe it's some, something different. And so good thing to have a look into is whether you would like to add higher level terms in here. Yeah, so maybe it's quadratic or cubic approach. So, and you can very, very easily do this by just adding further uh, variables to your data set. Yeah, so if you have, let's say, the height of the parents there, you also add height to the power of two, to the power of three, to the power of four, yeah, or one divided by height or log of height, yeah, as variables to your data set. And you put these also into the regression line, yeah. And then the R-square, which Paolo talked about, you can see whether this R-square actually increases or, or not. Yeah, in general, uh, it's hard, at least for me, to go beyond uh, the, the square. Other than that, uh, it, it becomes really difficult to guess what we can have, at yes. least for me, maybe listeners, or you yeah. can have a better understanding what it's happening, just looking at the scatter plots. But uh, yeah. Yeah, so, so there's actually an interesting research area that is called fractional polynomials. It's, it's maybe a little bit more advanced, but there is are these publications by Royston and Sauerbrei, and they also have a lot of things uh, publicly for free. And their idea is that just, I think, with eight different powers, so to say, yeah, so, so I think they talk about x square, x cubic, linear term, a log term, an inverse term, and one over x square. I think that, that was it. Just looking into these is probably sufficient to model pretty much all of your uh, different dependencies that, that you can have. Yeah. And as a you know, rough first approach, yeah, that might be good enough for you to come up with a, with a better fit of your model. Yeah. But of course, there's also a cost to it always. Yeah, so there's never a free lunch. <laughs> yeah, but I was wondering what is the cost of this approach because it looks like um, awesome. Yeah, it, on first glance, you should think, well, just add in everything, yeah? But of course, that makes your model be very, very clunky and much more difficult to interpret, yeah? The, the beauty of this linear model is that it's really, really easy to communicate, very easy to explain, yeah? Because for one unit more on this covariate, you have uh, no, better units more on the, on the outcome, yeah? And so it's a really simple uh, thing to, to describe. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe this explains why fractional polynomials are mainly used in 
prediction and prognostic research, maybe. And that is what is the difference between prediction and 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 estimation is something we'll we'll dive into uh, later in in this series of the, of the linear regressions. But just for the first thing, you know, think about. You know, you always need to pay a cost in terms of complexity, but actually also in terms of a couple of the statistical properties here. Yeah, so your model, you can think of it, becomes more and less, more and more unstable the more terms you you add to it. So have a have a thought about this. One specific thing is uh, to look into the logarithmic scale. Yeah, so that is something that sometimes is really, really interesting. So to have this linear regression, very, very straightforward, yeah, mu plus beta x. And instead of the x, you put the log of the x. That gives you a very, very different interpretation of things because then the beta is not anymore kind of on a summation thing, you know, for, for one added unit, you get this increase. But basically, it means for every time you double, so well, depending on which log you, you take, yeah. Yeah, it, you know, uh, 10 times higher, if you take the, the decimal log, or if you take the binary logs, and then it's, you know, every two times higher, the, the covariate, the bigger the outcome is. Yeah. So if you have these kind of more, these types of relationships, yeah, so that says, you know, in uh, these kind of exponential things, then that is something interesting to, to have a look into. Yeah. When maybe you have this exponential, uh, you know, growth, maybe yeah. also in the initial phase of an epidemic. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you, you want to, to have some explanation on the doubling of the cases or maybe uh, when the cases are, you know, by 10 multiplied and you can see, yeah, you can explain uh, a bit more what's happening in this outbreak. Yeah. Or maybe you have a successful startup. Yeah. And that has uh, the, the growth of the startup, the sales or something like this is growing on an exponential scale, at least at the beginning. Yeah. And, and time is your covariate. And, you know, that is something to have a look into. Yeah. And you can also accordingly kind of rescale your, your axis accordingly. Yeah, so you see that sometimes in these dashboards on the pandemic, there is, you don't see a linear scale, but you see a log scale. Yeah. And in, in the same way, you could do that for your linear regression here. It's sometimes these really simple kind of transformation of the parameters that can help you to have a much better fit of your model. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, let's step a little bit further in terms of having number of covariates. Yeah, so we now talked only about having linear uh, terms. But now, well, if you look into this parent and child thing, you could say, well, I, maybe I have the hate of the mother or I have the hate of the father. 
Yeah. So I have instead of having, you know, you know, just one regression, you have either head mother or head father. Yeah. And so uh, you basically have two variables that you need to take into account the gender of the parent and the hate of the parent. And now you have the hate of the children. And maybe you want to have, you know, both as covariates in, in your model. Now, what happens then? Yeah, we have a multi-variable model. And then, of course, maybe we can have correlated covariates. Yeah. I yeah. think that this is the main issue I have when modeling stuff with many covariates. Yeah, yeah. So that is something there where your model can break down. Yeah. So imagine you have two covariates that are very, very highly correlated to each other. Then what happens is that either one variable, yeah, explains most of the, the outcome and then the other variable gets nearly you know no beta or with a little bit of changes is completely switches around yeah so depending on your your sample yeah yeah maybe at first sight it it can be that uh, the second variables is negatively related to the outcome yeah. while is yeah positively related to yeah. At least uh, in yeah. your understanding. Yeah. 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 And so this is something uh, for sure to check first. Yeah. To, to look into the correlation of all the parameters that you want to look into. Yeah. So you can do that by using, for example, these, these core grams. Yeah. It's a, it's a really nice way to look into the correlation of, or at least, the, you know, so one-to-one -one correlations of many, many endpoints or many, many variables at the same time. These core grams is something that we can put uh, some, some pictures and some code into the, into the show notes. So just head over to the effective data scientists and then you'll see what we are talking about. That gives you a very, very nice visual impression. The other thing is, of course, having understanding of what all these different variables actually mean that you get uh, in your data set is also really important because just on the, on the understanding of the fields that you're working in, you'll already then know, okay, that variable is highly related to, to this other variable. So, yeah, and this... Yeah. Makes me think about the regression modeling exercise in general. So it's more about thinking about your possible explanation. So it's impossible to just run different models and decide everything according to some, you know, statistical outputs. Yeah. You need to have a clear understanding of your business or your of your problem and then what's important uh, what we need to explain because i think that when we have this problem of uh, correlated predictors we have just one core which is taking out one of them yeah or yeah. 
one of them. So, and when you sacrifice, you know, one potential explanatory variable, one of the ideas could be uh, related to your expertise or, you know, subject matter expertise. And if you don't know exactly which to take out, then have a discussion with your business partners that actually benefit from this regression model. Yeah. What would they like to see in, in, uh, as an explanatory variable? A or B, yeah, if A or B uh, are highly correlated. So these are a couple of you know, practical things to, to have, a, have a look into. But let's go back to the, the very, very simple case that you have a binary covariate and a continuous covariate. Yeah. So the what then basically happens is that you in your scatter plot you have two clouds in there. Yeah. One where you see uh, all from the first category, and one where you see from the second category of this binary covariate. And now there's a couple of different things that you can do. First is you can assume that both variables work in influence independently. See is the outcome. Yeah. So there is no interaction. And that is the them. term. Yeah, there is no interaction. So irrespective of the, you know, for both binary outcomes, the influence of the continuous outcome is the same. So we have uh, mu plus uh, beta 1 x 1 plus beta 2 x 2 plus the error term. Ex exactly. And x 2 is there an indicator variable that's as 1 for the first group and 0 for the other group. Yeah. yeah. So, or you could also rewrite it so that you have mu plus beta 1 x 1 plus beta 2 for the first group or plus zero for the other group, yeah? So it's in, in kind of these very, very simple terms. So what is then the interpretation is that, you know, the, the beta two, the second term, for, which is in front of the binary covariate, is just the difference between the two lines on the vertical axis, yeah? So in your scatter plot, you would see two lines, being in parallel, and the difference between that is the effect, or yeah, the slope, so to say, for the other uh, for this binary variable. Because the, the unit is just you know we made it to one. Because so we have the same slope but different intercept. Exactly, exactly. That assumes that you know there's no common you know no no interactions. What we say between these two different covariates, but now. That is one thing that might happen, but, but how do we deal with, with an interaction and what does that actually mean? Yeah, I think that uh, it makes totally sense to have some interaction between different variables. Yeah. Of course, let's think about a business problem. Maybe you want to invest in Facebook advertising and then you want to invest on Twitter advertising. Yeah. And uh, maybe investing on both uh, social networks can have um, an interaction between your 
popularity is growing. Maybe there is some group of people looking at both the social networks and the chance of your visibility increase. So, yeah. so or maybe you, you can have this uh, interaction or maybe thinking about uh, medical problems. Maybe you have one treatment. Maybe you have uh, one uh, biomarker, which yeah. is, I don't know, one gene or one uh, physical characteristics like BMI. And maybe the treatment works very well for uh, your outcome, but especially well if you are maybe not obese. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So coming back to the Twitter and Facebook example. Yeah. So what you might be interested in is if you invest, you know, $100 on Facebook ads. Yeah. You get $80 back. Oh, no, you should get more back. So, so $180 back. Yeah. And if you invest in Twitter, you get $200 back. Yeah, so your regression coefficient actually depends on, on, on your binary variable. So Facebook versus Twitter, yeah. And so here the interaction is actually the interesting thing, yeah. It's not so much about the, the average. It's really about more the, the interaction that is interesting. Now the interaction is, is something really, really, really weird thing yeah because if you think about it these if there's an interaction that means these two lines cross each other yeah at some point yeah at some point and now it's the important thing where so it basically means that depending on how much you invest yeah you get a differential outcome Yeah, of course, for every money you invest more, yeah, you get more return from Twitter and less from Facebook. But that doesn't mean that you should invest in Twitter because it depends on where your investment will sit. Yeah, you can think about it. Uh, if it's uh, before or after the crossing point. Exactly. Yeah, so that is the interesting piece. Yeah, where's, where's all the data that, that you have? Yeah, is that all before the crossing point or after the crossing point? Yeah, so or think about your, your scatter plot. Yeah, you have your scatter plot where you have all your data samples and then you have the two lines in there. Yeah, and where you have your data, maybe always the Facebook is higher than the, than the Twitter one, yeah? Although the slope is not as steep. Yeah. Yeah? And then, of course, you have only data that, you know, on average, it will always be better to invest in Facebook. Although the, the you know, incremental investment is, is a much steeper curve for, for Twitter. For Twitter, Yeah. yeah. Or it could be the other way around. It's both, you know, the Twitter has a higher curve but, or a steeper curve, and it sits on, always on top of the Facebook 
Or, you know, it could be also that kind of your, your data is all scattered around this crossing point. And so it really depends where your investment is. Yeah. yeah. So that is something to, to have a look into. Um, here we also say about, very often speak about qualitative versus quantitative interactions. Yeah. So when your crossing point is in the middle of your data, in the middle of the area that is interesting for you, we speak about qualitative interaction. Yeah. Because really it depends on whether you're right or left of this crossing point. It, it gives you it changes your decision. So yeah. it's not only about well, what you yeah. get. Yeah. But it really changes your decision. And it's, you know, on one hand, it's, it's a, you know, Facebook is better than Twitter. And on the other hand, Twitter is better than Facebook. Yeah. So, so it really, this, this turns around. Whereas all, if all your data points and your area of interest is, you know, on one side of the thing, of the crossing point, then you speak about a quantitative interaction. So of course there's a, you know, there is a relationship, but it only affects the size, not the direction. Yeah, the not the direction. The groups. Yeah. So have a look into this and, and that gives you a much better understanding of uh, what's actually going on. Yeah. So that is some further first adding a little bit more complexity to, to the linear model that we discussed about in, in this episode. And, you know, there is, you know, just with adding one further variable, there are already lots of interesting things happening. If you loved this episode, then tell your colleagues about it and stay tuned for next week's episode where we will further talk about linear regression and, and other things. It's a hugely important topic. You know, it's one of the key tools that everybody should know about. And it's, you know, this, this hammer in your toolkit that helps you with lots of, lots of different problems. Mm -hmm.